You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. Aston Villa have just lost 2-0 to Liverpool at Anfield, a result that uh, you know probably all thought we were going to lose today, but... It's weird that I don't feel that disappointed by what I've seen today, Matt. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I mean, we've lost and that's rubbish, but I thought we were going to lose 5 or 6 nil, and that hasn't happened and we've looked okay in parts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another game off. You know, we've got five games left now to try and beat Watford's results, beat Bournemouth's results. It looks like um, West Ham and Brighton have, have sailed over the horizon now. Uh, I get, you, I get you, your point that... Yeah, we, we feared Villa were going to lose 7-0 and the goal difference is going to take another battery in and cancel out all those goals that Bournemouth have conceded in, in, in recent weeks. But you don't get, you know, you don't get any plucky points, do you? Do you no, know what I mean? No. It's, you know, it's... I don't know, but I've just listened to Dean Smith's post-match interview saying that kind of Villa have looked a little bit more solid um, post-lockdown post uh, and he feels that, that Villa deserved... More on the more more points than they've actually got, um, which you know probably could could argue that they did deserve a, another point. Uh, you know, they probably deserved a point today, given that they've tried to go toe to toe with the champions for for you know long periods of the game. But other than that, is there any other games where they've really deserved more? I was going to say that because I saw the same the same quote on Twitter that something like the performances have, have warranted more points than we've actually got. I'm not sure. It's it's two out of fifteen, isn't it? Uh, points. I think didn't deserve any more against Chelsea. I don't think didn't deserve any more against Sheffield United. I'm very lucky not to have lost the game. Um, thanks to a bit of um, Hawkeye controversy. Newcastle. Yeah. I thought on a balance. I thought Villa were half decent at Newcastle, but equally, I thought a draw was fair. Um, Wolves. I don't think Villa deserve more more out of Wolves. So you could say they could be a point better off, and that would put them level on points with Watford. And then it would be then it would be in Villa's own hands. But I don't think you know. I think it was a, I think it was a really really encouraging performance. But even when Villa defend solidly, they concede two goals. And I know they're conceding goals to the champions. And I know Liverpool's kind of bench is like you know kind of having a couple of cheat modes in whatever whatever computer games <laughs> you youngsters play nowadays. But uh, it's empty-handed again, isn't it? 70 minutes in or something we're looking at bringing on Vasilev and and Yotta and they can bring on Jordan Henderson and Firmino and uh, somebody else came on I can't even remember who it was and I know that's the difference between a side that have won the Champions League and won the Premier League and us that are loitering around 19th or 18th or whatever it is kind of when Vasilev comes on I'm getting people on my what colleagues on my WhatsApp saying can we republish that story about who is Indiana Vasilev for all the Sky viewers who don't I can't imagine that our friends at the Liverpool Echo are getting can we republish that that who is Firmino <laughs> can we can we put that one back out just in case people haven't heard of him uh, and it is that but you know it's it's a tale as old as time, isn't it? Kind of better, bigger, more successful clubs have stronger substitute benches, no matter whether you can use five of them or three of them or however many. You know, it's it's Villa having kind of really kind of dug in deep. Being, and I do, do think Dean Smith was right about his game plan worked to a point. It didn't work completely because they lost the game. Um, but it's having given yourself that platform to then, you know, and it's, it's good players, isn't it? You know, like, Alexander Arnold zipped that ball in, and all of a sudden you kind of it's moved quickly around the box. And Neil Taylor, I thought was decent today. Neil Taylor's Same. been caught kind of momentarily sleeping, and, and 
Mane snuck in and it's game over then, isn't it? Because you know Villa aren't going to score the one, let alone two to go and win it. Uh, and there's just that kind of, that big, <sighs> exasperated kind of sigh again, isn't that? Of kind of, even when we play well, we're going home with nothing again. You know, the, the frustrating thing is that oh, it's Manchester United next to a kind of winning games for, for fun. Um, but the frustrating thing is, you know that Villa probably won't maintain the performance level from a 2-0 defeat <laughs> into the next game and the next game. Um, so, yeah, it's, you, you probably you probably wanted to, to have the title this podcast of positives that we can take. And then you've got me kind of coming out like a Mardi ass <laughs> Graham Sooners wannabe. <laughs> Um, so should we get on to him <laughs> I mean we need to introduce some kind of segment in the podcast at this point kind of poor pundits or something that we do every week because we had the Glenn Hoddle thing against Wolves Graham Sooners today even before the game kicked off he's moaning about Jack Grealish saying that he's only the you know him being the most fouled player isn't kind of a a positive on his career that he's targeted and people are trying to stop him and that's the only way, the way that most people will look at it. His point of view is that, well, well, he, he must hold on to the ball for too long or that he can't see he can't see the game well enough to make that pass and then inevitably gets fouled. It's just, oh, Graham, mate, have a day off, will you? Well, listen, far be it from me to challenge a highly decorated, um, you know, kind of mardi arsed Scottish hardman pundit, but... Point number one, does he hold on to the ball too long? Because if he's been fouled, that suggests that he's actually moved the ball. He's not hold- If he's tackled and dispossessed fairly, that is holding on to the ball too long. But if you've moved the ball out of your feet and somebody chops you down, that's not holding the ball on to, to it too long. That's beating that player, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. and the, the second point is that, listen, if Grealish, and we don't want to test this theory, but we, might, we know we might have to, if Grealish is playing in a, a team with, I don't know, Rashford and or he's playing a team with De Bruyne or he's playing a, in a team with Salah or wherever the, the, the kind of the big kind of northwestern powerhouses that he that he ends up, he probably is going to be more inclined to move the ball quicker and, and have more give and goes. But if your options are with with respect I'm going to square it to Trezeguet, who's standing like a statue to one side of me. Or I'm going to square it to Neil Taylor, who's standing like a statue to the other side of me. Of course he's going to want to advance the ball further forward, even if he knows that he's not going to be able to to slide in a a through ball pass to to Keenan Davies, because A, Keenan Davies won't be able to make the run, or B, he's going to get chopped off his feet. I don't remember, and somebody probably can probably pick me up on this, but when Grealish was playing in a better Aston Villa team in 2015, and, you know, listen, he dined out on this performance long enough, but in the semi-final against Liverpool, and he has got Fabian Delph and, and Cleverly and Benteke and whoever it was around him at the time, I don't think he was the most foul player then. I think he was moving the ball quicker, but you play, you play in the circumstances that you've got, and... You know, I just think Graham, Graham Sooner, he's, what, he's looking at that game in a very one-eyed way. He's looking at it in a one-eyed way because he's a Liverpool man. And he's looking at it in, he's looking at it in, a, in a one-eyed man way because he was somebody who liked to go crunching into tackles. You've got to acknowledge the, the, big, the bigger picture with Jack Grealish. And if you're going to dig out, and I don't think Jack Grealish played particularly, particularly well today. And I think he, his impact has been limited since Villa came back from, from lockdown. But equally... I know it's a sexy thing for the pundits and for the hosts of the show to talk about Jack Grealish, but let's have a look at the, the wider situation, why Jack Grealish doesn't feel confident enough to, 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 to move that ball around quicker. His options aren't there. 
there's, there's, there's no one to pass to a lot of the time, or he doesn't he doesn't trust them, or the, the quality of the player isn't you know if, if you're like you said, if him releasing the ball and passing it to Trezeguet means that we're going to lose possession, he's going to hold on to it, isn't he, and try and win a foul? But I think the the frustrating flip side to that is when we do get these free kicks and the 150 or whatever it is that Grealish has been fouled for in the Premier League this season, how many of those set pieces have we profited off? Off the top of your head, have we have we scored many offset pieces? Don't get me every on me, time. Don't get me on my darts analogy again, for God's sake. <laughs> well, yeah, every time I know we talked about this, and it's pretty much a repeat of every episode since lockdown so far. If that is kind of almost a, a tactic that we'll get get Grealish the ball, get him in a half decent position, he'll win some kind of foul, and we'll we'll reset from there and, and aim from a set piece. You'd think that our, our set pieces would be kind of Stoke City circa two thousand eight. And, and really kind of will only play for set pieces and just be good at that. But the fact that we're not even good at set pieces either makes you kind of think, well, what's the point of Jack being fouled so often? Because we don't do anything with the free kick anyway. No, you're right. If, if as we think, Villa's best chance of scoring a goal is from a set piece and Villa are so terrible at taking set pieces, we shouldn't be massively surprised that we're still sitting below that dotted line at the moment um, the other thing I just wanted to say on Sunes and Grealish before I do finally let it go is what is he saying is he saying that Jack Grealish can't spot a pass because Jack yeah, Grealish so. is clearly read the game. clearly got the best vision and is able to kind of not just spot the pass but deliver the weight of pass better than anybody in that Villa team and better than a lot of his contemporaries and peers in the Premier League so just shut up Graham like, like we said at the start it's again kind of the saving grace is that we all thought we'd be battered and we haven't and everyone else around the bottom beside West Ham didn't pick up any points this week either so again as much as it's a a kind of a very very rubbish thing to hold on to we're not there's been no stage yet when we could have been two or three or four or five points off even getting out of the the bottom three We, we fortunately haven't got to that stage yet the only the only thing that we're losing is games and time I think the the next round of fixtures with us playing Man United on Wednesday or Thursday and Norwich have got Watford. We really need Norwich to do us a favour there and, and get something against Watford because I think that's probably the, the, the game week where we'll see things flip that if Watford gets something, it's probably unlikely we're going to get anything against Man United as much as I don't want to be defeatist before the game even comes round. That'll be the, the time when it, we finally look at it and go, OK, we're, we're starting to slip down now and, and we've not been so lucky that everyone else is losing. I think it's interesting the way that the, the, the relegation's shaping up because you'd probably expect it because the teams that are down there are down there for a reason because they've not been winning m- many football matches. But it is, isn't it? It's that battle of who can be the, the least... You have to bleep me. Who can be the least... Do you know what I mean? It, it, that's what it's become and it's... I don't know, it's, it's kind of... I don't know, it's trying to, it's trying to pick the best team out of Villa, Bournemouth and Watford now, it's like trying to trying to choose your favourite Eurovision record, isn't it? You know, it's really, <laughs> really, really terrible, really, really terrible choice. Um, West, Ham, West Ham is the interesting one because they, you know, they've not, obviously they've not been great all season and they're on 31 points now. But they're, they're, three of their remaining five are Watford, Norwich and Villa. So I mean they're on thirty one anyway, so I think they'll be fine. And the three, you know, they'll target those three games as being absolutely winnable. Um, so I think you know it's, you've got Watford, Villa, and Bournemouth, and two of those three are going down. It's got to the stage now where you hope West Ham are going to be clear of it, so that so they don't care about it on the last day. Whereas before yeah. before we're thinking it is going to be a shootout with West Ham for us to stay up. You're thinking, well, you know, if they can win those games. 
you, know, you want them to beat Watford, and then you want you hopefully want Villa to get something about against West Ham as well. And then that, if you've matched the results in every other game week, would be enough to keep you up. Well, I think again we've we've done kind of podcasts where we've tried to clutch for some positives, and there were positives in the performance today. But I think the biggest positive is that it's five games left, and Villa are only one point adrift. So the fact of the matter is. <laughs> <laughs> the way they've been going, they will have to hope that they draw one of the final five games that gets them level, and everybody else gets battered in the other games. I mean, listen, what's the fixture list looking like, Dan? We've got we've got Man Do you United want to read ours or yeah, come on, to read ours. Okay, so we've got uh, Man United on Thursday, Crystal Palace on the Sunday, Everton, Arsenal, and then West Ham. So you're looking at Palace and West Ham, aren't you, and getting points there. And if that's six points there, that takes you to 33, and I think that would be enough. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just because we've forgotten. We've forgotten how to win anyway. Forgotten how to score. Can we score some yeah, goals? Yeah, well, that was, that was the one today, wasn't it, really? And they created a couple of bits, bits and pieces, I'd, um, I'd probably describe it as. But you're not really, really working the goalkeeper um, hard enough and, you know... It surprised me that he that he went with El Ghazi and Trezeguet again today. Um, I think El Ghazi had a couple of couple of half half sniffs, didn't he? Um, but I don't think you can carry both of them. It also affects your changes later in the game, doesn't it? Because you'd normally look at bringing one of those off for the other as one of your changes at some point. But whereas they, when they when you look to make your changes around seventy minutes, you're looking at your bench thinking there's just nothing there on our bench. The, the first eleven isn't. Brilliant, is it for Villa? Let's be honest, but the the, uh, the bench is championship standard, isn't it? Really. Listen, without being too doom and gloom, what's your gut feeling now? Do you think we're going to go? Oh, oh, I don't know. I really want to be. I really want to come on here and be very kind of gung ho and optimistic and say, "Yeah, we're going to do it." And I know that that will roll some people up because you know it's very easy to look at it and think, "Oh, well, we're we're dead and buried." But I think if we were in if we were in slightly worse off uh, points-wise or we were in Norwich's position, for example, I'd be sat here going, oh, that's it. We need to win four out of five and we're not going to do that. Whereas with Villa, we don't need to win that many. I think you probably need to win maybe two of five, which at this point sounds like a lot because we've not been able to do it all season. But strange things happen, don't they? I think we've said before, Villa will have to pull it out of the bag at some point if they want to stay up and that's kind of in our hands that if you win two or five or if you can somehow squeeze a draw in there as well, that will probably be enough now at this stage to get you to 33 points, which is a rubbish target and the standard of the league is so poor, but we're just kind of lucky that Bournemouth and especially since the restart, Bournemouth and, and Watford have been poor as well. I think we'll stay up, but just about... <laughs> I don't know what you're basing it on. I don't want to write it off yet. We've got five more games and five more podcasts and five more weeks of work to do around this season. Yeah, I don't want to kind of just sit here and go, oh, well. Yeah, don't, that's done. don't we're, kill we're the audience down, opportunities. Oh, well, I admire your professionalism. We've got, yeah, but you've got to stick with it until it's done, haven't you? Even if it comes down to the last day and you, if you have to win or you're going down, you, you still have to believe that that'll be the game where you do it. There's no point kind of looking ahead now with five games and 15 points remaining and just going out, oh, well, we're one point away from safety, that's it, oh, I'm resigned to going down. Obviously, yeah, you've got to kind of prepare yourself for the worst and if it does happen, you can kind of think, well, I've seen it coming for a couple of months now so I'm not kind of too disappointed but when there's still a chance, you've got to believe, haven't you? Well, here's, here's a question for you. 
When was the last time Villa scored twice in a game? Would that have been the Watford game? Didn't we score two against Tottenham but still lose? And I'm not just saying this, you know, to, to pile on the misery again, but Villa need to score two goals to win a game. I don't think they're going to win a game 1-0. I really don't. So what prospect of Villa, what combination are they going to have to play? What's going to have to change to get them to score two goals against whoever, any of those last five games? So what do you think then? Is your, what's your gut feeling? Are you saying that we're gone then? I mean, I think, I think Villa can count themselves fortunate that, that no, I say nobody, to be fair to them, West Ham and, and Brighton have found, found a little bit of winning form. But people always say, oh, you know, yeah, I'm not, we can only look after ourselves. I don't want to look at other results. We'd be down, wouldn't we? If Bournemouth hadn't returned so spectacularly, uh, spectacularly bad, and Watford hadn't returned in such a, a flaky way, Villa would be down. So maybe that is, maybe that's that's the thing that we take out of it. They've got to take that that as a springboard and say, you know, one of these teams, one of these three teams must save themselves. Why can't it be us? I'm just looking at the other fixtures. As much as I'm saying that you know, Villa have not won in however many it is, I'm looking at Bournemouth now, and their their running is Tottenham, Leicester, Man City, Southampton, and Everton. I, mean, I don't see them getting many points there, to be honest. Uh, Watford have got uh, Norwich on Tuesday, then Newcastle, and then West Ham, Man City, and Arsenal. So kind of similar to, to Villa's running. That's a big one, isn't it? Now Norwich versus Watford's a big one. Norwich aren't going to keep themselves up now so you want Norwich to win there you want Newcastle to beat them as well and then you want West Ham to get something and then you'd expect they'll get nothing against Man City and Arsenal for the last two so by the by the time the last two games come around Watford might already know their fate because I mean it's unlikely they're going to get anything against Man City and Arsenal isn't it whereas Villa have got Everton and uh, West Ham to kind of redeem themselves so if, if Watford have won one of those three before the final two it's very much squeaky bum time but if Norwich and Newcastle both beat them that those last couple of games then do look very difficult for Watford and if Villa have snuck something against a Crystal Palace or even an Arsenal maybe we'd be looking at it and we're, we're a couple of points safe I think you're getting a bit ahead of yourself I think the, the oh, next, of course I think the next <laughs> game I think if, if Watford beat Norwich and Villa start against start against Man City if, if we're four four points adrift by the time we, we even kick off against Man United you know, that's that's quite a, a, a grim situation to be in, I think. Maybe we beat Man United. Maybe that's the freak result we keep talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's not beyond the realms of possibility, is it? You've just got to score more goals in the opposition. I mean, like Dean Smith said today, what are you aiming for today? To concede none and to score one. Yeah, exactly. It's, just, it's a simple game, isn't it? It'd be nice, wouldn't it? I'm, I'm kind of... Um, I need to go away. I've had enough. All is not lost. All he's not lost because he's just that that one point difference. But you know, if, who would you find if you if you could play any of those teams next? Who would you probably want to play next? You probably want to play Palace, would you? Yeah, probably. Or maybe West Ham. Get that out of the way. At the moment, teams around Villa are losing without Villa putting any pressure on them. It would be nice for Villa to put pressure on them. You know, nobody's profiting, are they? You know, it's kind of it's. <laughs> It's like the kind of um, it's like the hare and the tortoise, but it's just no. There's no hares involved, is there? There's just it's just the kind of tortoise race, isn't it? Nobody's actually wants to go and try and cross that line. They just want to kind of, you know, stay in a box and chew a bit of lettuce. It's just so. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Please, can we can we finish this? I think we've said like if we were just slightly less rubbish, we'd be absolutely fine now. Two more wins over the course of the entire season. We'd already be on 33 now. 
and you'd be looking at it like you were looking at Brighton and thinking, oh, well, they're probably okay. Bournemouth took six points off us. How's that happened? Yeah, that's that's grim. That's grim. Let's look at it this way, and it's, it's another Kendrick crap analogy, but you'd rather be on the, the life support machine, even if you're in danger of flatlining with a bit of hope, wouldn't you, than starting the grieving process now. You know, that grieving process can start in, in three weeks' time if it needs to. <clears throat> let's see what they're about. You know, let's see what Dean Smith and John Terry and Richard O'Kelly are, are about. Let's see what Jack Grealish and John McGinn and Tyro Mings are about. Let's see what Anwell Elgazi and Trezeguet are about. You know, let's see how hungry Keenan Davis is to be the one who scores that important goal. Do you know what I mean? This is this is kind of make or break time now, kind of do or die time. And we've got to the final five games of the season where we're still in with, with one hell of a chance. We know we've got to be better. We know something massive has got to change, whether that's kind of the performance levels going... You know, the performance levels were all fairly solid today. Whether that's generally the performance levels going from sixes to eights every week, whether that's the, the manager kind of, you know, remembering this kind of brand of expansive football that he had at Brentford you know throwing caution to the wind because victories are only going to be the only thing something's got to change some some positive thing has got to change might just be a kind of big dollop of luck with a ball bouncing off somebody's backside yeah. but we're still in with a chance five games left you know and I, I tweeted during the game you know my son out of the blue delivered me a cup of tea to my uh, to my lap during the game so oh, anything he, want, he wants something anything can happen is what I'm saying absolutely anything if that can happen anything can happen so although I've kind of been like a kind of broken doom and gloom record we're still in with a chance so let's just uh, let's just kind of roll with the punches and see what the next couple of weeks bring I think we end it there to be honest I think we do mate. That's, a posit- that's as positive as I'm going to get so <laughs> just cut it out thank you for listening to Claret and Blue an Aston Villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.